I'm not real big on titles, but if I were to give it a title, I would say, whose side are you on? You know, hopefully you're on God's side here today. Are you guys all Christians? Have you really given your life to the Lord? Have you surrendered yourself to Him? You know, uh, hopefully you're on God's side. You need to know, Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 30, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. You know, because sometimes people think that they can be on on both sides of the the fence. They can kind of straddle it. They got one foot in the world, one foot in the church, and they think they're good with God. But in all reality, it's just either you're all in and you're for him, the Bible says, or you're against him. We need to know there's no neutral ground with God. We're either for him or against him. I pray today you're a friend and not a foe. And even as a friend, here's the thing, what kind of friend are you? Most of us here probably say we're Christians, I would venture to say. But seriously, man, are you like completely committed? Are you sold out? Are you surrendered? Do you ever, ever speak the name of Jesus to anybody? I mean, if you don't, then something's wrong. We're going to see in our study today that the apostles were obedient. They were great friends of the Lord. And we're going to see, as we go through our study, three things about obedience. Uh, number one, obedience means we fight for God. You know, and not that God necessarily needs us. If he wanted to, he could speak his words of victory. But you know, he's the general. He's enlisted us in the army. We are soldiers. We do fight for God, not violently, but please don't misunderstand, we're not like that, we're not in a holy jihad, it's not physical, it's not violently, but it is Jesus, our general, enlisting us in the war, and in this war, we have to fight the good fight, and so, as a result of that, I don't know if you've ever been in a fight before, but you will experience opposition, because that's what happens when you're in a fight, so don't let it frighten you, don't run away Don't run from the battle, run to the battle. We're going to see that in our obedience today. Number one, it means we're in a fight for God. Number two, obedience means faith in God. You know, and that means we obey his word, you know, without reservation, without hesitation, you know. Romans 10, 17 is a very important passage. It says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. See, the way that the Christian life works is that you listen to the written word. You listen to the living word. You listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He gives you the word, and then from there, whether you understand it or not, you you obey. See, that's what faith is. He may ask you to do something that sounds a little crazy. What I want to encourage you to do is just learn and listen and lean not to your own understanding. Study the Bible, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. When you hear the word of God, obey him. You see, obedience means we fight for God. Obedience means faith in God. And then obedience means first God. You know, if there's ever a conflict between the commands of the creator and the creature, who will you obey? You see, God first. God before me, God before government. My master comes before any man or the majority of men. Even if all men came against me, wouldn't matter. God first. And we're going to see that in our study today. And it's so cool the way that it all kind of unfolds for us. Look at Acts 5, beginning in verse 17. It says, And then the high priest rose up, 
and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. And they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. You know, the, the religious leaders, these guys, they were so upset that the church was doing well. You know, the message was going out. The miracles were taking place. The masses were forming in the Christian church. They were growing. God was blessing. But unfortunately, the saved and religious institution of the day, they were trapped in their tradition. You know, Luke here in verse 17, he highlights the Sadducees. Uh, they were the liberal branch of Judaism who didn't believe in angels or spirits or life after death. All these guys uh, arise and they're filled with indignation, the Bible says, and they arrest the apostles. You know, it's, early, it's interesting, earlier in Acts 5 verse 3, we read about the heart of Ananias being filled with Satan, but now we read about these guys being filled with indignation. You know, the word in the Greek language is that word zelos, where we get our word zealous from. And really, it's a description of the Jews in that day, the Jewish religious leaders. Paul would later describe them the same way in Romans 10, verse 2, where he says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. It's the same Greek word. And so they were zealous, but it wasn't according to knowledge. They didn't know the word of God, and they didn't know the love of God. And so for us, it's important to know the word, to know God's love. And what we see today in the religions all around the world oftentimes is that there are many who kill over zeal, right? We're going to see that today even, that these guys wanted to kill the apostles. And so what do they do? They arrest them. We believe it's probably all the apostles. They throw them in the common prison, which in those days would be the equivalent of what we know as, as county jail. And they're, they're waiting there for the next day for the hearing to take place. Now it's interesting here in our text, this is the first time the word prison is mentioned in the book of Acts. Of course, we know it won't be the last as a matter of fact, we're going to see the word prison 21 times in the book of Acts, and we're going to see that their hate just begins to escalate. You know, last time, uh, they were put into custody. We saw that in Acts chapter 4, verse 3, but this time, they're put into county jail, and it's not a pretty place. I was going to ask if anyone here has ever been there, but... Um, <laughs> You know, for those of you who have, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who have heard from others who have been there, I mean, this is not a pretty place. And you know what? Inside of us, we would do anything we can not to be there. And I'll bet you there's some people here in this church that would compromise in their faith and they would vacillate in their obedience in order to protect their own skin. What God is saying is no. When it comes to obedience, you've got to know you're, you're in a fight for God. This is requiring faith in God. And we've got to understand as we go through this that God is teaching us something that's so important. You know, what we discover is that when we're obedient to God, we're in this fight and we will experience opposition because there's another side who's fighting against us, right? And Jesus said in John 15, 20, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. I mean, some guys, it's funny, man. They, they get a little bit of opposition and they run away like, the, you know, with their tail between their legs. It's like, no, come on, you're a Christian. Man up, fight. Don't run away. 
You know, there are places and times to get rest, and there are places and times to get arrested. And that's what happened to these guys. There's a, uh, it's still going on today, you know. There, there's a website, if you ever get a chance, check it out, releaseinternational.org, and you can get information about the 200 million Christians around the world who are mistreated, persecuted, millions of them arrested, in jail today, thousands killed. It's still going on. And if they're out there doing that for their, for their faith, what are we doing as Americans here in this place for our faith? You know, the word of God, however, is not shamed. It never will be. And so as these guys are arrested in persecution in prison, it's a crazy predicament. Look at verse 19. It says, but at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest and those with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. You know, later we're going to see as we go through our text today that the prison doors were locked and the guards were at their posts Exactly how the angel did this is mysterious, but uh, somehow doors were opened and they were brought out of the prison. I don't know if you can visualize this in your imagination, you know, but I, I kind of see it, I kind of hear it as the, the angel saying, come on, come on, you know, be quiet, you know, let's go, you know, and, and, and if I'm being rescued from prison, you know, I'm going to run, right? I mean, that's what we do. But the angel says, no, you can't run. You're not done. You've got to go back to the temple and teach. Now, again, I don't know about you, but, you know, if I was there, I'd probably call a timeout, and I would say, sorry, Mr. Angel, maybe you got the message wrong. That's where we were, and that's what we were doing when we got arrested. Why would you ask us to go and do the same thing in the, in the same place if you are supernaturally setting us free from prison? doesn't make any sense to me. But here's where obedience comes in once again. You know, obedience means I'm in a fight. And obedience means I got to have faith. And as he's there and he's pulling me out of prison, county jail, I don't want to go back. It's a terrible place to be. But he says, I want you to go right back to that place where you got arrested in that temple and I want you to teach. And I realize now that this is God's word to me. I, I know his written word, and I hear his living word, and this is what he's telling me to do. And therefore, I will obey. And that's the Christian life. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, is says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. You know, if all we have is our own understanding, then we will never see God move in a great way in our life. We need to walk by faith. We need to follow by faith. When you do, you will see the Red Sea open. When you do, you will see God do great things. You know, remember in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8, it says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out, 
not knowing where he was going. I mean, imagine that. You're, you're there, you got a great home, you got a family, at least you're married, right? And you know, the Abraham hears the voice of God and God says, hey, I want you to go to this land. Uh, it's far away. Don't know the details, but you know, you got to go. And so Abraham goes to his wife, Sarai, and he says, okay, sweetheart, the Lord has appeared to me. He's given me this calling. I need to follow him. And she says, okay, even though that's kind of tough, I'll go with you. We're, we're married, but where are we going? And he says, I don't know. And Abraham went, not knowing where he was going. And he ended up in this land called Israel. Through him, we have all the scriptures. The, through him, we have the Savior. You know, faith doesn't always have all the details. We don't know all the answers. It doesn't always add up. It doesn't always make sense. But here's the thing. You know, you've got to make sure that you hear the voice of the Lord. You know, what God is doing for the apostles is establishing early on that he's in complete control. It's not the leaders of Israel or the law of the land. It's the Lord, right? And for us as Christians, it's vital to know that no rulers rule over him. There's no chains that bind us, bars, doors, or locks that can hold us against his will. That's why it's so important that you follow him. That's why it's so important that you obey him in every area of your life. You know, we're going to see in the book of Acts that this is the first of three jailbreaks by God. Uh, later in chapter 12, Peter is set free. And then in chapter 16, uh, Paul and Silas are set free. That doesn't necessarily mean that God always sets his people free from prison like this. I mean, God will sometimes allow you know, those prisoners to stay in there for his purposes. For example, when Paul was in prison, he wrote the prison epistles. He wrote Second Timothy. When John Bunyan was in prison, he was there for 12 years. He wrote Pilgrim's Progress, which is a, a book translated into 200 languages, one of the greatest uh, works of literature in the history of mankind. Doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to get out of prison, but if you're there, you can know as a Christian that I am under his purpose. Sometimes the best thing for everyone involved is to stay put in prison. But this time, the angel sets them free to go and to speak those words. Notice again, look at, if you would at verse 20, what the angel says, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. I love that, you know. What a beautiful description of the declaration of God's truth. You know, later we're going to see it simply described as preaching and teaching. You see, as we speak the scriptures, we're speaking life. There's nothing like it. There's no one like it. The Bible is called the word of life in Philippians 2.16. And Jesus is called the word of life in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. You see... It's God's written word, it's his living word that grants life eternally and even that abundantly. You know, I mean, I don't know, I know myself growing up, you know, as a Christian, you have the option of whether or not you can go to church service. If you want to, you can stay home, you can read a different book, read the newspaper, you know, you can surf on the internet, you can watch a movie, you can watch the talk show, but there is nothing like hearing the word of life. I want to have a, a good life. I want to have his life. I want to have the abundant life. 
And the cool thing is that we can go and we can get into the word and we can hear it preached and we can even go and preach. When you share the word of God with people, you're speaking the words of this life. You know, I, I love this because not only does it say that it's eternal life, that it's abundant life, but the thing that I, I think it's so cool is that, you know, we look forward to heaven. It's going to be amazing. But it's not just for then, you guys. It's also for now. You know, the angel tells them to go and tell the people the words of this life. This life. You know, what does God have for you to do in this life? How does God want you to live in this life? You know, the apostles did what they were told. But we read again there in verse 21, it says, But the high priests and those who were with him came and called the council together with all the elders of the children of Israel and sent them to the prison to have them bought. But when the officers came and did not find them in the prison, they returned and reported, saying, Indeed, we found the prison shut securely and the guards standing outside before the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the high priest, the captain of the temple, and the chief priest heard these things, they wondered what the outcome would be. You know, imagine that. You know, you're... You know, you're the high priest. You've got the Sanhedrin there. They got the 70 most powerful men in Israel. It's like the Supreme Court. And they say, okay, get the prisoners. We're going to deal with these guys. And they go and they, you know, travel past the guard. They open up the, the doors and they're gone. You know, and so one translation says they were tripping out. And they asked what was happening. What's happening? That's my translation. <laughs> That's what it says right there when it says they wondered what the outcome would be. That's what was going on. They're scratching their heads. They're like, wow, this is crazy. And so verse 25, one came and told them, saying, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. How many Christians would have quit at that point? Done. I'm gone. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Not them. They went right back where they belong and they began to teach the word. And they're there and man teaching the people. Verse 26 And the captain went with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, Did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. You know, they find the guys, because uh, they haven't gone far, they're right there teaching once again in the temple. And so they bring the apostles back without force, handling them gently, concerned with the crowd, because remember, we read last time that the people esteemed them highly, at least the common people did. And the high priest then reveals really the source of his hatred. He says, we clearly commanded you not to teach in this name. It's like he can't even say it. He can't even say the name of Jesus. That's how much he hates him. But the apostles, they didn't comply with the command. As a matter of fact, they filled and flooded the city with his name. 
And you guys, that's what we need to do. You know, I can't tell you how many times all along my Christian walk where I got hit, where I got knocked down, where I was wondering whether or not I would continue on to follow the Lord or to serve Him in ministry. You know, I can't tell you the way that, you know, this is, has been a war for me and, you know, the, the steps of faith that were required, you know, for us to continue to follow the Lord, my family and, and me. You know, and, and along the, the way, and I remember when we got saved, we got saved with a whole bunch of other young adults, and we used to fellowship together, and it was just such a cool thing what God was doing, but over the years, that one falls by the wayside, and that one falls by the wayside, and that one's no longer in ministry, and that one no longer goes to church, you know, and you see that happen over the years. So many casualties. That's exactly what the enemy's trying to do here to these guys. But they won't quit. They refuse to do that. And they have this heart of, of obedience. I know it's a fight, you know. And when you're in a fight, you're going to experience the opposition. So I'm ready for it, you know. And I, I know it's faith. And sometimes it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I don't understand, you know, this or that or why I'm not, why I'm not feeling it. But you know what? I'm going to walk by faith and, and not sight. I'm going to do the right thing. And when their life's on the line, their life's on the line because, you know, it wasn't that long ago when you look at the chronology of it, it was about two months ago where they killed Jesus. They might kill me too, but it doesn't matter. I will not stop serving the Lord. I will not stop speaking his name. As a matter of fact, you told me to slow down. I will push, I will push on, the, on the pedal. I will accelerate this. They had filled Jerusalem. They had flooded the city with the doctrine of Christ. That's what we should be doing. That's what they were doing. I like what Pastor Chuck said about this. He said, isn't that a glorious charge? Don't you wish we could have that charged against us? We'd love to fill the city with the doctrine of Christ. And yet there are so many who have not heard. I mean, wouldn't it be cool if we all just kind of developed a greater work ethic, perhaps? And, you know, no, no, I don't know how it would work, but, you know, we have the, the jet team, and they go out on Saturdays, and they hit the streets of Almani just to tell people about Jesus. I know a lot of you here, you just can't make it. I understand, but what if those of you who could did? What if? What if you rearrange just a couple of things like you do for other things that you consider to be important? And then you went and you started sharing the name of Jesus with others. Don't you know your life will change? Sometimes we're waiting for our life to change now. And I want to wait for the fire so I can feel it. And then I'll go and do it. And God is saying, no, go and do it. And then you feel it. There are nothing. There are nothing like sharing the Lord with people. Filling the city. Flooding the city with the name of Christ. God can do that work. That's what he did through them. You know, here the high priest, he's worried about the guilt of the blood of Christ. And he tells Peter, you know, you intend to bring this man's blood on us. Uh, he's feeling guilty, no doubt. Peter, every time he preaches, he tells him, you crucified him. 
But in one sense, he should feel this guilt because it was, again, just a couple of months ago where Pilate was trying so hard to let Jesus go. He didn't want the blood on his hands. And in that setting, these same religious leaders stirred up the people to say in Matthew 27, 25, his blood be on us and on our children. That's what they said. I guess he had forgotten. You know, not to say that they're the ones solely to blame. We are. We all put Jesus on the cross. But we got to know that that kind of blood stains the soul. You know, they just want Jesus to go away. And so what do they do? They tell Peter, we forbid you to teach in his name any longer. But then we read in verse 29, Peter and the other apostles answered and they said, we ought to obey God rather than men. You know, the, the Greek word, it it's really should be translated trust. We, we, I'm sorry, must. We must obey God rather than men. You know, I had said the same thing back in Acts chapter 4. I, I kind of wanted to turn there and, and read it with you. Look at Acts 4 in verse uh, 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. You know, I want to share with you guys something that, you know, you, you have been commissioned. Um, I believe with all my heart that you all are ambassadors for Christ. I believe that with all my heart. You know, um, you may not, you know, be a missionary to Cambodia or Nepal, Mexico. Maybe you are, but you're a missionary to the people that you work with. You're called to be a light to them. And what you'll do when you shine is you're going to earn the right to speak the name of Christ. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, and I've shared with you guys before, as a chaplain, they tell me I can't pray in the name of Jesus, but I do anyways. You know, and uh, again, not to be defiant or, or anything like that. If they ever want to take me out, they can take me out. But I just know, you know, when the command is say, hey, don't pray in the name of Jesus, that I have to. You know, and, and the way that it works in life, I think, is that that's, you know, what the enemy wants to do is a sin of silence. I want to encourage you, you know, not to be obnoxious but be obedient. Try it. Try it. You want to see your life change? Try it. Oh, but then they won't like me. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. You're in a fight. Try it. You know, I know that I have to speak the name of Jesus because I ought to obey God rather than men. And that's all Peter is saying right here. And we all have that same call in our life. Now, this is not a license to disregard human authority. Uh, we need to know that scriptures teach that we are to submit to those placed over us by God. The Bible says in Romans 13, 1 through 7, 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, that they are our authorities placed there by God. And so, again, we have our teachers, we have our police officers, we have the laws of the land. We're to submit to them, right? Unless there's a clear conflict between the laws of government and the laws of God. And so you gotta do what your boss tells you to do. You gotta do what 
that police officer tells you to do or that governor tells you to do or the laws tell you to do. God put them there to preserve the peace and protection of the people. But it was like on, on the way over here today, I got pulled over by a police officer. And he said, you were texting and driving. And I said, well, God told me to. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I didn't. I didn't get pulled over. But you know, it's kind of sometimes where people might say that, well, you know, the Lord told me to do this or whatever, you know. And, you know, God told us to, you know, to be together because we love each other. No, the Bible says wait until you're married. And so we submit to the laws of the Lord. And if there's ever a conflict between the, the creature and the creator's commands, I will submit to the commands of the creator. The day may come where they say, hey, you guys can't preach the Bible. Hey, you guys can't preach on sin. You know, and we're, we're going to get arrested. Some of you younger people here, okay, I'm, I'm getting older. Who knows how many years I have left? 50s, 60s, I mean, you know, you start slowing down. You know, you're like the 20s, the 30s, you're in a generation in which you will live, if our country continues down the road that it's in, in an anti-Christian country. Let me ask you a question. Will you still live for Christ? Will you still speak the name of Christ if it's illegal? Will you still evangelize? Will you still proselytize? If it means that you might get arrested? Tell you what, that'll thin the ranks. That'll sift through the church of whether or not you really love the Lord or don't. A lot of times people serve the Lord when it's convenient. That's not what it's about. There's power in what we see here. These guys, man, nothing can stop them. You know, the day may come where they tell us we can't teach the Bible or call sin, sin, or speak in the name of Jesus, and we need to make sure that we obey God. You see, we're in a fight for God. Obedience means that we have faith in God, and obedience means first God. Peter understood this, so he would never stop preaching and teaching the name of the Son of God. Look what he says in verse 30. Peter says, listen, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus. He probably said it really loud. <laughs> the name that you don't want me to teach, Jesus. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. I mean, the evidence was so overwhelming, but these guys, they were so caught up in their tradition, they were probably making money, there's a position, there's a power they would not let go of. And Peter just says, listen, man, the God of our fathers, he, he raised up Jesus. That resurrection, it proves that all his words were true. You guys killed him when you crucified him on a cross. But listen, God has exalted him to his right hand to be prince and savior. Now, it's interesting. When the, the high priest was interrogating Jesus, he said, tell us, are you the son of God? Come on, straight out, come on, tell us. And Jesus said, it is as you say, and you will see the son of man exalted and seated at the right hand of the father. 
And that's exactly what Peter says right here. At that point, remember, the high priest tore his clothes. What further do we need? You know, witness do we need? Blasphemy. That's exactly where Jesus was. And Peter's sharing these things with him. But notice the reason, again, there in verse 31, to give repentance or, or to give opportunity for repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Listen, man. This is not just about some organization. This is not some power trip. This is about God forgiving you of your sins. All you got to do is turn and trust, and you'll be saved. You know, you're feeling the guilt of having crucified Christ, and we all have guilt because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all blown it, and you know, the enemy's there quick to remind us, look at how you've blown it, look at what you've done, look at what you've said, look at what you've not done, look at all your life, how many years you've wasted, how many missed opportunities, maybe even as a Christian, and the enemy's there to, to remind us of our sins. And Peter is just saying, listen, this is all about the forgiveness of those sins. This is all about, you know, a, a bigger thing not, not just, you know, me giving you this example of him, you know, setting the, 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 the physical prisoners free, but the spiritual prisoners free. This is about life. This is about the abundant life. This is about this life. This is about the good life. This is about the life that God wants to give, forgiveness. The other day I heard something cool by Adrian Rogers. He said, you know, we got to do our part. We, we do our part. God does his part. And usually when we think of that, we think of like, I better, you know, be this great person and then God will kind of come in and help me out a little bit. But I like what he said. He says, we do our part. God did his part. We sinned and he saved. That's who we are. That's what this is all about, you guys. And that's why we have to make sure that, you know, not only do we preach the name of Jesus, don't be afraid. Preach the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. But not only, you know, shoot it out, send it out, but make sure you receive it for yourself. Peter had blown it, and he knew who he was. He was not worthy of anything. I tell you what, I wake up in the morning and when I spend time with the Lord, you know, I, I just in case, and I don't think you guys think this about me, I don't think you do anyways, but you know, I, I don't feel worthy. I, I never have and I never will. And I wake up in the morning and when I'm you know, just spending time with the Lord, I say, Lord, thank you for not giving me what I deserve. Thank you that I'm not you know, in hell right now. Thank you that I still have my family. Thank you, Lord, that I still am involved in ministry. You know, I know it's by the grace of God. I know it's by this forgiveness that we're talking about today. And you guys, we gotta, we gotta know that. That's the only reason that we want to preach his name and cling to his name. And that's why we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit in order that we might be witnesses to this world. You know, life is good, you know, and we have uh, fun and there's, a, there's room or there's a place for entertainment. But is that all your life is? 
Are you caught up in the kingdom? Because you should be. And I don't know what that means to you, but I do know this, that God knows exactly what that means for every single person here. There is a plan of God for your life. Do you know what that is? Are you following that plan? I mean, for me, I remember, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't have any idea after I became a Christian, how in the world am I going to support a family? I mean, I don't have an education. So I started going to school, but then the Lord told me to drop out. Now, don't ever do that. I would tell you, you know, if you're going to university, you know, stay in school and get an education. But more important than that, I would tell you, follow God. You know, for me, that's what he had. And then, you know, taking a step of faith over here and, you know, quitting my job. I mean, why would I quit my job? You know, someone, I remember, pulled me aside and said, what in the world are you doing? You've got benefits here. You're full-time here. This is a great job for you. And God, I just said, I've got to follow the Lord. That's how it works. You know, faith is hearing his voice. If you don't hear God's voice, it's not because he's not talking to you. He's talking to you. You're just not listening. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Pray. Listen for his marching orders. And then when he tells you what to do, you follow him. You know, that's where these guys were. And they were witnesses in verse 32. And so was the Holy Spirit. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Holy Spirit was speaking so loudly to these religious leaders, but they were not listening to him. You know, and later on, we're going to see when Stephen is talking to these guys, he says, man, your problem is you're stiff-necked and resistant. You don't listen to the Holy Spirit. And that can happen to a non-believer. It can even happen to a believer. God's always talking. The question is whether or not we're listening. You know, the evidence was so overwhelming. Uh, the scriptures were lining up. Uh, the miracles were piling up. Why wouldn't they believe in Jesus? And the answer is because they were so hard-hearted. Huh? They were so caught up in their own ways. You know, I, I heard a story, I'm probably going to blow it, but I'm going to share with you is about this guy who thought he was a mannequin. Have you guys heard that one? He thought he was a mannequin, and so he went to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist said, you're not a mannequin, and he tried to convince him through reason, you know, you're a human being, you're not a mannequin, but the guy wouldn't listen. He just said, no, I'm a mannequin. And so the psychiatrist said, okay, well, here's the thing. You know, um, mannequins don't bleed. And so he took a pin and he, and he poked the mannequin and, and no blood came out. And so then the psychiatrist proceeded to, you know, pick the, the man himself and, and blood came out. And so you know what the guy said? He said, wow, mannequins do bleed. <laughs> and sometimes I think it's the way it is for us. It's like, man, all the evidence in the world and we don't really believe in God. Oh, I believe. Do you? 
The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know, there's a lot of guys who say it in their lips, so they're atheists. There is no God. But sometimes even Christians say it in their hearts. Oh, there is a God. He loves you. He's watching over you. Do me a favor. Follow him. That's what we need to do. You know, Peter here gives his witness. But we read in verse 33. It says, and when they heard this, they were convinced. No, I'm just joking. And when they heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. Remember what I said earlier? Zeal often kills. And so then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel. He was a teacher of the law, held in respect by all the people. And he commanded them to be put, uh, put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel... Take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Theudas rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and and came to nothing. Now, we don't have any information about this first example that Gamaliel brings up, but in verse 37, he says, And after this, man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census, and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and also and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And we do have a lot of information on this rebellion from uh, Josephus. And so uh, Gamaliel says, And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Remember I was telling you in the beginning, man, either you're for him or you're against him, either you're a friend or a foe. I would even say it this way, either you're a friend or you're a fool, you know, a fool. (laughs) Because if you fight God, who's going to win? You know, if you fight God, it's not good for you. Yield to him. Follow him. Don't kick against the goats. And so it says in verse 40, they agreed with him and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and and let them go. And so they departed from the presence of the council, notice, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You know, again, and I know we read it and sometimes we can easily disconnect from it. But imagine, you know, getting arrested, man. Imagine getting thrown in jail. Imagine getting beaten with 39, you know, whips, uh, lashes on your back. You know, and you got to think it's going to hurt. It's not easy. It doesn't feel good. But then, you know, when you're, when you're done with that, you're determined to continue to preach Christ and you even rejoice that you were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. You know, I, I remember reading about in the early days of Russian communism how they were getting tortured and how many of these Russians, because of their Christian faith, 
they bore scars on their bodies. And, and for them, it was a, it was a mark of, of, of just, I don't think pride is the right word, but it, it was just a, a blessing. It was a privilege. It was an honor to bear those stripes, those scars, those pains, those hurts in their body out of, born out of obedience to the Lord. You know, what I'm afraid of and what I, I just want to encourage you to be so careful of is that you don't allow those stripes to send you away, but that you'd embrace them as you serve the Lord. You know, what we see these guys ended up doing, it says in verse 42, that they did it every day, every single day of their life in the temple and in every house. They did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. And it's a great opportunity when we have this in our heart. You know, preaching is probably more along the lines of sharing the gospel with people, and so they don't know the Lord, then you share the Lord with them. I tell you what, if you don't know how to do it, and I thought about this on the way over here, you know, we'll put some tracks back there. If you have a hard time breaking the ice when you go to In-N-Out and you're looking at these people and you're thinking, I wonder if any of them are saved, then sometimes it's a little easier if you have a track and you just say, here, I just want to give you one of these. Simple as that. That might strike up a conversation. Next thing you know, that person is on the verge of suicide. You just stepped in because you're open every single day of your life. I mean, I don't think that days were intended to be wasted by God. You just never know what God will do. D.L. Moody is a great evangelist, and the guy would preach before thousands of people, but that wasn't enough for him. You know, for me, having the opportunity to share the the Lord, you know, whatever, a, a Sunday or a Thursday, maybe a Bible college class, that's not nearly enough for me. And it shouldn't be for any of us, right? Every single day we want to have eyes to evangelize. And that's where these guys were. D.L. Moody was fearless in his witness for Christ and he sought to speak about spiritual matters to at least one person every single day. And he would actually just go up to people. And this is D.L. Moody. He would ask them, how does your soul prosper today? Or he would say, hey, do you love the Lord? Do you belong to Jesus? He would actually go up, cold turkey evangelism. Now, some were offended by this blunt mannerisms, but many people were led to Christ as a result of his boldness. Now, is that just for D.L. Moody? Is that just for Manny? Is that just for the pastors? Is that just for the leaders? Is that just for the Christian who's been a Christian for 10 years now? No. It's for every one of us. It could be 10 minutes. And there is power in his name. I encourage you guys, as we have part, uh, communion today, you know, the, number one, you know, you got to make sure you're on the right side, you know. If you don't know the Lord, what he wants to do is wash you clean, give you a new start, and give you forgiveness in life. All you have to do, like we read today, is repent of your sins and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Because he died for you, he rose again, and he's coming soon. But if you do know the Lord, I want to encourage you today to have a heart of obedience. Um, Can I ask you guys that? I mean, for some of you who are listening, 
Still listening? You know, could you say, Lord, make my obedience grow? I mean, it means that I'm going to fight for you, not violently, but spiritually. And so, Lord, when I experience opposition, I'm not going to run away with my tail between my legs. I am going to fight. And obedience, it means faith. And so what I'll do is I'll listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And as he asks me to do things that perhaps I normally wouldn't do or they don't make sense to me, but they're your commands, I'll do them. And the obedience means that you're first, Lord. Before any other human authority, if ever the commands conflict, then God, I will do your will. And I tell you what, when we get that heart, you guys, God's going to do a great work. Your life will never be the same. You're going to go away from here. You're going to go to your workplace. You're going to go to your school place. You're going to go to your home, wherever it is. And it'll never be the same. This is not just for the apostles. This is for all of us. Even the wives of the apostles, you know, they're called epistles, right? I'm just joking. It's for all of us here. I pray you guys would embrace that to yourself.